0: This is the Social Strategy Podcast with me, your host, Vernon Ross, and this is episode number four. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast,
1: where it's all about making the most of your business with smart tips on what's working now in social media, online business, and good old fashioned networking. And now, your host, who's also known as Ross PR on Twitter, Vernon Ross.
0: Hey guys, welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast. This is Vernon Ross, and today we have a really special guest. I've been looking forward to this interview, this interview for a while. This is Courtney McKenzie that I will be talking to today, and Courtney is, you know, just she's 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 an awesome person. And one of the things that I like about Courtney is is that she is so authentic and so genuine. And this lady is impressive. You know, one of the things that took me about Courtney and one of the reasons I wanted to interview her, I heard her over on Entrepreneur on Fire and was like, you know what, I got to talk to her. So this interview style and my interview style is more conversational. So it's not a, hey, did you do this? Hey, did you do that? We're going to have a conversation. So be prepared for that. Um, One of the things I love about Courtney is her credo on her website. I roll with a big heart, a big smile and a whole lot of hustle. And that is absolutely true. You're going to find out in this episode uh, things about Courtney, what she was doing in high school to actually make money. She actually started her own business while she was still in high school, doing it, hustling, pay for college with her pageant success and eBay business. She is just a phenomenal character. You guys have to meet her. And, you know, without further ado, I'm not going to delay it anymore. Let's go ahead and get right into the interview. Okay, guys. So, welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast. This is Vernon Ross, and I have a very special guest with us today. I have a Miss Courtney McKenzie. Hi, Courtney.
1: Hey, Ross. How are you? I'm
0: doing good. So, let me tell you guys a little bit about Courtney and what she does and, you know, why I've had her on the show today. Courtney is is pretty amazing. Um, If you guys have not, Heard of her. Her podcast is Entrepreneur 2.0. It's been in the top of New and Noteworthy for quite a while and probably one of the top podcasts in iTunes. So you should have heard, of, heard about it if you haven't. Um, Courtney has a really interesting background. She was a you know, political science uh, degree from from Florida International University. One of the interesting things about Corey is, is that she was Miss Jamaica Interna- Intercontinental. And when was that, Courtney?
1: That was in 2008.
0: That's pretty amazing because, you know, I've never actually interviewed a pageant winner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you. I'm really so, honored.
0: <laughs> that, that, is, that is pretty awesome. Uh, you've got a, a really great story as far as how you've built your business. Uh, you were named like one of the most powerful young business leaders in Florida,
1: Yeah, it was, it was, I've had a few, that was probably one of my most uh, prestigious awards. So that was pretty amazing, but it was the top, top 25 most powerful and influential business leaders in South Florida.
0: Wow. That is, that is pretty amazing. So,
1: and I was the youngest actually, which is kind of crazy.
0: (laughs) how, How were you when that happened?
1: That was last year, so um, I don't want to tell my age, but uh, I was 25 when that happened, so oh I was the gosh. youngest I've ever been named, and everyone around me was like, who is this young girl? Who, you know, it, it was really funny at the photo shoot. They're like, who are you, and why are you here? And right, right. <laughs> Are you here to get our coffee? or Right. They're like, uh, I'll take my medium black with one sugar. And I'm like, nope, not wrong person. Oh, that,
0: is, that is crazy. Okay. So I gave people a little bit of background about you. So tell us about, you know, how did you get into doing your own thing and doing your own business? Because what I run into with some of the people that I coach and some of the people that I talk to, and I run into a lot of business owners being involved in social media and working with small businesses, the solopreneurs, the people that are on their own, that most times are married or in relationships or some that are just single and wanting to get out of the cubicle nation in the rat race. How did you get started at such a young age?
1: Well, it started with me being, I've always kind of had that, uh, leadership mentality. I grew up with all boys. Uh, I have two big brothers and all boy cousins. So my house was really competitive. Everything was the competition in my house. um, who can get to the remote first is a competition. It's it's crazy how that is. But being around men, I learned how to be really competitive at a very young age. So I always wanted to be the leader in everything I did. If I was going to be in an organization, I wanted to be president. Uh, and even if I knew, knew, knew nothing about the organization, I wanted to be president. I would study up before the before the election so I can position myself to be president. It was just kind of silly sometimes, but... <laughs> that mentality really helped me when I was in college. And so I went to FIU um, and my first semester there, I ran for the president of Black Student Union. Um, and it was really funny because everyone's like, who is this girl? We don't know who she is. I was I transferred from a different college um, and I just wanted to really run for president so that I can kind of get on people's radar really more than anything. But Um, just having that mentality really set me up for, for great things to come. And so I didn't win. I I actually was short by like five votes or something silly like that, but, um, I know it's really funny how, how much you can, how much you can learn from just really positioning yourself properly, but I didn't win. Um, but I actually went on to become the, the PR and marketing person for the Students Programming Council, which at FIU, we had over a half a million dollar budget to, to manage. And so I was managing a half a million dollar budget um, along with the other uh, board members of Students Programming Council, but we had the ability to hire people like uh, Ludacris or like uh, all these different people to come in and talk to students. So we had this massive budget. And so I really learned how to market and how the importance of PR and, and print design, all these different aspects of... Of marketing. Um, And so I didn't really realize it then that I was developing a passion for marketing. So I took that, what I learned, and after graduation, um, I did an internship. I learned a lot more from that internship, and then I had a part-time job along the way. I realized that that part-time job was not what I wanted to do, I hated it, um, and I cried when I didn't get a promotion, and although that makes no sense, so we'll talk about that a little bit more, but I thought that that was the end of my life. I didn't get this promotion, um, and it actually ended up being a blessing, so So I took what I learned at FIU and working with the student organizations, and I took that, and I formed a business, and um, I haven't looked back since, and I've been writing my checks for the past three years.
0: <laughs> oh my God! So Courtney, you were able to actually take your experience with the uh, student union and with the Black Student Union at, a, at, at your university, and just start your own business. Yeah. How how scary was that? And what what were some of the steps that you did as a young college student just coming out of a college? How did you just how did you just have the courage to just go out there and start? And and what how can you give people advice on? You know, what's the first step that you did? What's the first thing you did?
1: The first thing I did was I found a mentor and I didn't, didn't just find one mentor. I actually found tons of people who could offer support and who had been there, done that type of mentality, because I knew that they would be more likely to help me because I wasn't necessarily their competition. I was like the new kid on the block. So the first step is to always find a mentor. And then I think after finding the mentor, you surround yourself with the right people who are going to help you execute the ideas. It's funny, I actually, just um, the podcast episode today that I released is talking about the five types of friends every entrepreneur needs. Um, and I think that that's really the goal is to find a mentor and then have a really great group of friends who are going to help support you along the way to to accomplish the things that the the mentor tells you you need to do in order to become successful.
0: Right. And we'll make sure to link that up in the show notes. Um, Because I think that's awesome advice. I I run into this a lot with people that I talk to is that they can't actually find people or the people that they're currently around aren't entrepreneurs. Yeah. And And that. um, Oh, go ahead. I'm um, sorry. No, 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 you go right ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, yeah, you know, that can kill. I feel like when I'm talking to my non-entrepreneurial friends, they don't get it sometimes and they don't get why. I can't make the baby shower, or I can't make uh, the party, the happy hour, because I'm focusing. I'm focusing on growing my business, or I have to get this idea out, um, or I just I have to be by myself for that next 24 hours in order for me to actually make the idea. You know, in order to flesh out the idea, I feel like they don't get it sometimes. But when you surround yourself with other entrepreneurs, so when I'm talking to my friends who are entrepreneurs, we just have the – we go off on tangents and we're just rambling. But it all makes sense and we all bring it back together. And then I actually have steps that I can take towards execution. So it, it's totally different when you hang out with people who are actually entrepreneurs and who get it. <laughs> right. So let's
0: switch gears a little bit. I um, I was looking at some of the videos that you shot. and. One of the things I talk about is networking, and I do a lot of uh, LinkedIn consultations. One thing that I heard from you that I had not actually told people to do is to update the project section. Can you explain a little bit about what the project section is in LinkedIn and why you gave that advice?
1: Yeah, so the project section in LinkedIn is all about highlighting what you're doing now. Because it's great that you have your resume on there, but a lot of people only put their LinkedIn resume, I mean, they put their resume on there and they leave it. And then they hope, they're, they wonder why they don't get, ever get business from LinkedIn. I've actually gotten uh, several contracts from LinkedIn because I've had projects updated and people are looking for, say they're looking for someone who does social media, but they're looking for someone who's done work with TV or with video or things like that. Specifically, if you have the project section updated and when they find your, your profile based on those keywords... They're able to say, oh, this person's a great fit. They actually know a little bit about what I'm looking for. And so it's really important to always make sure if you have any new projects, whether it be you're creating a video series, podcast, maybe you have a new blog, whatever it may be, make sure that you update the the project section on your LinkedIn profile because it helps keep the content fresh. And when you update it, people are going to note there's gonna be a notification that says you updated your profile. So it'll put you back into the news feed, which if you only if you only update it when you have a new job, then you probably only do that once every couple of years. So you want to make sure that you are always in the in that LinkedIn newsfeed.
0: Right. No, that is that is awesome advice. So Going back to um, the on, the online business, and you'll notice with this podcast, I will jump around as thoughts come into my head. I,
1: <laughs> You're a true entrepreneur.
0: <laughs> I have this whole list of questions that I never ask, just because it's like, oh, wait a minute, she just said this, and I'm looking at her website, and there's this on there. So, <laughs> I, I was listening to your interview with John Lee Dumas when he interviews you on Entrepreneur on Fire. Something that I found was interesting is that you actually started doing some business before you graduated college.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had a, I had an eBay business while I was in college. So while all my friends were, you know, working part-time working in the bookstore, um, I was, I really wanted to have my time. I went to school in Miami and there was the beach and I wanted to study on the beach. I didn't want to have to be tied down to the bookstore working, you know, doing work studies. So, right. I got a little creative, um, and when I was in high school, I used to sell things on eBay. Now, back then, I used to sell my mom's old purses and um, shoes and things like that around the house, and eventually, I got yelled at for it because, like, <laughs> why did you sell my purse? I just got that, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, um, but, you know, eventually, I learned that I needed to get my own stuff to sell instead of finding other people's <laughs> things around my <laughs> <the> house. <laughs> So I didn't get in trouble. But, um, but when I was in high school, I started selling things on eBay. And so when I went into college, I already had experts experience with um, selling things on eBay. So I went to consignment shops. We had a lot of them in Miami and there were the areas that I was in, in Miami specifically um, had a lot of really high end consignment shops. And so I would find things that were um, hundreds of dollars and I would find them for like $10, $20. And what I would do is I would give them a new life. I would add new buttons, maybe add some new fabric to them, just kind of jazz them up a little bit. And I would resell them on eBay for like quadruple the price that I actually paid for them. So it it helped me eat steak and lobster in college, as opposed to eating the ramen noodles like all my friends were. Um, so it was it was a really cool business, and and it helped me, it helped me pay for college.
0: <laughs> oh my god! So you actually started in high school?
1: I wouldn't really consider myself an entrepreneur in high school. I was just tr- I was just figuring it figuring it all out then. But uh, but yeah, I did start in high school. Yeah, <laughs> now, I'm
0: pretty sure you're figuring it out in high school was probably more successful than most small businesses <laughs> that start up in their first few months. Because I'm here to tell you, I, I talk to a lot of people that start their business, and one of the problem is, is that they don't know how to generate revenue. Mm-hmm. And I've, I can't remember that entrepreneur um, who had this story, but I think it may have been uh, the author of Re- Rework. It was one of okay. those guys, and he was talking about how he just learned how to sell because you have to learn how to sell things and make money before you can actually start a business. Oh yeah. And uh, it may have been Chris Gillibo. It was someone like that. I'll have to look it up and I'll link that up in the show notes once I, uh, clean the cobwebs out and, and bring that back to memory. But that is pretty amazing that you started in high school and then in a college.
1: It, it worked for me. It was, it, you know, it didn't really seem like I was doing anything revolutionary. It didn't seem like I was, it, it just felt normal to me. And, um, And I I was good with words, so I added some words like amazing or beautiful, gorgeous, (laughs) you know, those type of selling words. And and it worked. (laughs) It it worked for me.
0: (laughs) So give us give us one piece of advice that you would you would tell someone that doesn't really have a support system, because that's what I run into most oftentimes, especially with uh, female entrepreneurs that are starting, that are, you know, raising a family or just starting by themselves, and they don't 100% have a support system in place. So could you could you give us your advice for, you know, what, what would you tell a person that doesn't have a support system, especially a female entrepreneur, really just getting started?
1: To the female entrepreneur who needs that support system, because we all need it. We all need the person who says you're doing a great job or don't quit yet, because I promise the moment that you think you want to give up or you're just done and you're not getting the results, if you just go a little bit longer, a little bit harder, that's when you actually reach your goal. And I've been there tons of times. Um, So I think the the best advice I can offer is to make sure that you surround yourself with the types of people who are going to motivate you. And if you don't have those types of people, there are tons of people out there who need the same support. So if you highlight what you're really great at. Like some of your strengths may be uh, you're very goal-oriented. You have a you have a great way of keeping track of things. Um, if that's your personality type, then you can offer that to someone else who may be very creative and who is a great marketer. So you guys can feed off of each other's energy and each other's strengths and weaknesses and really become like a powerhouse. So to find those people, a great way to start is by getting on meetup.com. Um, and Meetup.com is a great resource because you can find tons of local groups based on your interest. So, if you're an IT person, um, if you're a marketer, if you are a media entrepreneur, then you can go on Meetup.com and find other like-minded individuals, and they have meetups every month. Some have them as frequent as every week, and you find a group of people who you can who you can click with and who will give you the. The motivation and support that you need. I think that's a great place to start. And if you have a little bit of a budget, then I think another place to start is to find a mastermind group that you can join because I found that joining masterminds, I'm a part of about three of them right now. Um, they've really helped me think outside the box and to help other people think outside the box. So it's kind of like a win-win and you're both, everyone in the group is is getting something from it.
0: Right. Now, mentioning masterminds, I, um, I saw a couple weeks ago that you actually have an Entrepreneur 2.0 Masterclass.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. We're launching on November first. Um, and the goal behind it, Vernon was really to help other entrepreneurs who need that inspiration, who need the motivation, who need the cheerleader or the person to say, hey, think about it this way. Because we all have great ideas. The the ideas aren't the the difficult part. The the difficult part is the execution and we need a a team. I would you know that saying that there, it takes a village to raise an entrepreneur or raise a kid. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a village to raise an entrepreneur. And so that was the goal behind um, the Entrepreneur 2.0 Masterclass.
0: Oh, wow. So that starts up on November.
1: Yeah, November 1st, on Friday, November 1st, we're going live, um, and it's a small, concentrated group of go-getter entrepreneurs. We wanted people who are very serious about their business growth um, and who have something to bring to the group. We don't just want people who have no idea how to do anything, but we wanted people who um, are really positioning themselves to become really great entrepreneurs or to grow their business.
0: Okay, cool. That uh, That is awesome. Yeah, I saw that and wanted to make sure to ask you about it. Now, one of the things that you do is you you write an article for, or articles for Black Enterprise Magazine.
1: Yes, yes.
0: How did you, how did you get into that? How did that happen? Uh,
1: the, it was, well, I had a lot of people who were featured in Black Enterprise, a lot of friends, um, and I just asked them how they were able to do it. And really what happens with all these magazines is that they need content just like you want to give them content. So when you position yourself to give them really great content and you send it to the right person, then that's when you actually become, that's when you actually get published in the magazine. So I just found the right people to, I, I came up with a great list of ideas that I thought would be suitable for their content or their, their readers. Um, and I, and I pitched it to them and and it worked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So now, how did you how did you pitch it? You just, did you just email the person? You email the you know the editor, and it's like, hey, here's a here's a great idea that I have for some articles.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of websites have um, the contact page. Every website has it, like Forbes, uh, Inc., all of them have that. Um, And you can basically pitch your idea to them. Now, hopefully, it's a good idea and that they'll respond to you. But it doesn't always happen the first try around. So Mm -hmm. I say have about four to five different articles with really catchy titles. um, And you just kind of send them a snippet of the article. um, And they'll contact you if they think it's a good fit for their readers. So that's the best place to start.
0: Oh wow, that is really good advice that I actually didn't intend on getting today. If you want to get an article published in a major magazine, that all you really have to do is go to the contacts page and have some good articles written and send it to them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, it works like a charm.
0: That is awesome <laughs> advice. Okay, so I like to always ask one off the wall question. How did you end up in India?
1: Oh. <laughs> That's a okay. So, um, India was. I always wanted to go to India, um, and I just kind of planned it. I, it. It took about three or four, it was actually a short planned trip, but it was about three months in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there for 10 days, and it took a day to get there and a day to get back. So, technically, it was like almost a week because it takes so long to get there. Oh my gosh. Um, right. but I was there for a week and I started off in, uh, where did I start off in? I started off in Gurgaon. Um, and I was there for a day. Then I went to Jaipur, which is where they have all the really expensive, fine jewelry. Um, I went to Mumbai, which is Bombay where they have Bollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, it was all over the place, but I had a, it was, it was my little sabbatical. I really needed to take a sabbatical (laughs) because I was trying to transition into a new, um, part of business. And so I really wanted to make sure I had a very clear mind. And so I chose India and, and it worked out.
0: <laughs> wow. That is awesome. Yeah. I saw that on your about page and I'm like, okay, I gotta ask, how did you, how did you end up in India? And are you also doing business in India?
1: Uh, you know, the funny thing is I did start when I was in India, a part of the trip, it was part business, part pleasure. And so when I was there, I did start a new um, business endeavor there. Um, and, and in between me riding camels and, and riding. Elephants, which was pretty amazing too. So I did start a business there. Um, I actually haven't, I, I closed that part of business. Um, it, it wasn't really something that I wanted to stay in business doing. So, so I did, but it's, it's not existent. It's non-existent now. Right,
0: right. Yeah, that actually leads me to another question that, uh, most entrepreneurs I find have multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. Now I know that you do your, you have your PR business and consulting business. What other things do you do online to, um, diversify what you're doing in business?
1: Well, right now, the, my main focus right now is building the audience with like, similar to what you're doing is building the audience with my, with my podcast and really providing tons of value. And within the people who listen to the podcast and who are your loyal listeners who email you and who respond to your newsletter among those people, there they're, they're going to be people who actually are willing to pay for more of your time and, and more of your resources. So right now, the biggest thing that I'm working on is the masterclass. So in addition to the masterclass, I'm also um, going to be having live events. I'm in Miami and it seems to be a destination that everyone wants to come to. So um, I'll be doing live events and then I'll also, um, I'm doing online coaching as well.
0: Oh, wow. So w- when's your first online or live event? When do you think you're going to do that?
1: My first live event will be next, uh, next fall of 2014.
0: Oh, that, that's exciting. Have you, um, do you have planned guests or are you in the planning phases of that?
1: I'm in the planning phases right now, the planning phase right now. So it, it's still, I wanted to make sure I gave myself more than enough time to set it up. And I wanted it to actually be an adventure type of, um, live event. So instead of just being tied to a room where, you know, you're just listening to people talk, um, I'm kind of a thrill seeker, so we're going to do some things like jet skiing and go to the beach and things like that. So I'm still working out everything right now, but it will definitely be next year.
0: Oh, my gosh. So this is a uh, social strategy podcast exclusive that we now know that you're
1: going to be doing a live event next year. The first time I've ever told anyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. that is That is awesome. Okay, so you walk into a room and you don't know anybody. What's your method of actually meeting people and finding out who you need to know in the room and who you want to talk to?
1: Well, I used to, when I was first starting out in business, I just went to every networking event I could, I could attend. Um, And back then I had a limited budget. So, and I still like to bootstrap. Um, So I would go to the free events more so than the paid events. But now I go to every event that I go to now, it's very um, strategic. (laughs) So I know who's going to be at the event, who I need to talk to, um, and I know what they look like. I know a few key points about them. So when I go up to them and I introduce myself, I can already approach them from a friendly perspective as opposed to I want something from you perspective, because I think that's really important when people feel like you know little things about them, like how you did research on me and how I did research on you. So I think it's really important and it helps to eliminate some of that awkward silence or, you know, you're trying to introduce yourself to someone you don't know. Sometimes it can be awkward already, but if you know a few things about them and you know who you're trying to approach at that event, I think that, that makes it a lot easier.
0: Right. You know, that's funny that you gave that advice because it's, it's the same advice that I give and it's what I do, is I will try to connect with people on Twitter or on LinkedIn, see what they look like, get an idea of who they are, and have some interaction with them before we actually talk so that when we talk, it's kind of like we know each other. Right.
1: Right. It's really key because people like to do business with people they like. And so when you, when they feel like they already know you or you know them, or, you know, say they're a big uh, Florida Gators fan and you're a Florida Gators fan, you already have that, that thing that keeps you together and that bonds you. So I think that it's really important to have those.
0: Right. That is awesome. So I was going to ask, I, um, I understand that from with some of the interviews that you've done. You've done some interviews with some pretty high-profile fro- people. <laughs> Thank you. How did you make those connections with like a Chris Brogan?
1: The the cool thing is about Twitter and about websites and things like that is that people are so easily available. You know, they're it's not the the perception of people being unattainable is no longer there because they're all on Twitter, they're all on Facebook. So, I um, mean, they're all, and they all have websites with contact pages. So, um, I did similar to what you did. I, I go on Twitter. I find them. I message them on Twitter. I go on their website. I message them on their website. I go on their Facebook page <laughs> and message them on their Facebook page. Um, and, and so it works sometimes. I think that it doesn't always work. It's not a hundred percent, but there, there will always be people who are more likely to do interviews than others. Um, and there are others who are, who are more strategic and they only do interviews when they're, when they have things launching and things like that. So I think that that's also a good approach. If you, if you know someone's coming out with a launch, um, they're launching their product then it's a part of their marketing strategy to make sure that they're on as many outlets as possible. So they're more likely to do your podcast. So knowing when those events are going to happen and then just reaching out to everyone, reaching out to everyone who you want to reach out to, um, eventually one of them will say yes. And so I always go with the no approach. Right. Instead of saying I want 10 yeses, I say I want two no's and then I just keep on getting I keep on going until I get the two no's. And then when I get the two no's, I say, okay, well, that's enough for today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That'll work. So, you know, with um, podcasting has become extremely popular this year and it's it's even it's growing even more in popularity with uh, services like Stitcher that are being installed in Ford vehicles and, of course, iTunes and other podcasting networks people are getting more into podcasts and doing their own podcast. What right. advice would you give a new podcaster now that you're 38 episodes into your podcast entrepreneur 2.0 that you ran into that you could help them overcome?
1: I think there are a few, one. there are a few tips I can offer. The first is to make sure that you have a strategy behind it. I, I keep saying the word strategy because I think that that's, that's the number one key to business and being successful in business is having some strategy behind it. So if you want to have certain guests on your show, I think the strategy behind that is making sure that you reach out to them in advance and that you have a group of, of podcasts already edited. And so if, if you get sick or you lose your voice or anything like that, you already have things scheduled and it's already set up so that you're not having to miss an episode. Um, I think that that's key because I had to learn that as well. Mm-hmm. Like one day I've, I lost my voice and I was like, oh no, I can't go on. But it was okay because I already had episodes edited um, for that week. So I think that that's one tip. And then I think the second tip is to make sure that you're very consistent. If you're going to have one episode a week, then make sure that it's the same day every week that you're not, your your listeners aren't trying to guess, okay, well, is he going to launch an episode this week or is it going to be next week? I don't know. Um, so just being consistent. And I think just have fun with it. Um, it's really easy to follow follow the the path that other successful podcasters have taken. Um, but I think that you just have to have fun with your own podcast. So, with my podcast, what I like to do is have my own episodes sometimes, or I like to have like little snippets of of really cool music that I love. It just really depends on the mood, but I think that everyone who listens knows that it's me, and it's my unique way of of doing my own podcast and delivering content. So just have fun with it and and be you
0: right. So, you know, when I was doing my, um, equipment stuff, I did a podcast, um, a few years ago and it was horrible (laughs) and it's, it's no longer on iTunes. It was just me and literally a hand recorder. Now I've got, you know, some equipment. What's, what's the one piece of equipment that you would recommend for a new podcaster?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, the number one, you know, I just started using, um, audacity. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, audition, a- Adobe audition. I just started using that not too long ago. And I was like, man, I wish I knew, I wish I started using this when I started because it's so much easier and you can have a template and you don't have to, it makes editing a lot easier. Um, so I say Adobe audition, Mhm is the way to go. And they have a promo right now. It's like 40% off, um, for like the next 30 days and you get So if you sign up within the next 30 days, you get 40% off for six months to a year. Um, so instead of it being like $52, you, I don't, I'm not good at math. So whatever, (laughs) whatever 40% off of 52 is, you get a nice little discount. So I think that that's probably the best software.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So Adobe Audition, Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's really great. I'll
0: I'll make sure to link up to that in the show notes as well. I actually haven't tried Adobe Audition. I'm currently using GarageBand and bouncing back and forth between that and Audacity. Uh, I'm on a Mac, so I'm not really sure which way I want to go as far as editing software is concerned. I've used them all in the past, but Adobe Audition would be a new one for me, so I may give that one a try.
1: And they also have a free thirty day trial because I use GarageBand. That was I was using GarageBand and um, and the call recorder mm-hmm. uh, for my for all my episodes. But I just recently got onto um, Audition, and it's and I have a Mac too, and um and I love I love Audition. It's pretty awesome.
0: Oh wow! So you moved away from call recorder and you just use Adobe Audition now?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it took a while because it's it's. I'm well, you're a tech person. So you're you're it. You're very tech savvy. But um, I'm not really when it comes to software and things like that. I'd rather just hire someone to do it for me. But I really wanted to make sure I had a grip on it. So it took me like a weekend to actually understand how to how to maneuver through it because it's a lot more. It's not as simple as GarageBand is. But once you get it, it's it's much easier. And it's it just sounds better, too, I think.
0: Well, I think a weekend is pretty tech savvy. So now don't give yourself some credit there. <laughs> oh, I just took a, a weekend to learn the software. And now, I'm, you know, I guess
1: as counts. opposed to like an hour, like it might take you like an hour or two hours. But me, it took me like a whole three days. So, you know,
0: I'm still figuring out GarageBand. So <laughs> it may take me a little bit longer to, to figure that out. OK, so <laughs> before we wrap up, I wanted to ask, what are you reading right now? What current book are you reading?
1: Mm, Okay. So I have, I'm looking in my, um, in my iPad right now, my Kindle store, I have literally like 10 new books, but, um, one that I, so I purchased this book maybe like a month or two or three ago, but, um, I started reading a bunch of other books in the, in the middle of it. So it kind of went to the back burner, but I just started reading it again. It's a really great book called Power Stories by Valerie Koo. Um, and basically what it is, it's just eight stories that tell you how to build a really epic business and a really epic brand. So they're eight stories that you probably never heard of, um, but they just go step by step into how this person created their brand and how they're like multi-million dollar brands now.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I had not heard of that title. I'll make sure to link up to that in the show notes. Is it available on Amazon? It is. Mm-hmm. OK, cool. So is there um, a tool that you're using, something uh, that you love, like a um, an Evernote? I've been using uh, lift dot do to stay on task and motivate myself to you know, meditate every day and get exercise every day and run at least once a week. Is there an app that you really, really love that you're using right now?
1: Oh, so I just did a I just did my top 12 tools for my podcast is like my freebie offer and in like doing research for that I fell in love with this wonderlist. Have you ever heard of it? I have not heard of wonderlist. Okay, so wonderlist is amazing. I have I think every entrepreneur has this. It's not like clinical, you know, I don't have any medicine or anything like that for it, but I'm pretty sure that if I did go to the doctor, he would say I have ADD. So, um the Wonder List helps keep you on task. I, you have 10 different or as many different um, to do lists as you want to, um, and you just kind of cross them out throughout the day. So if I start off with 10 different items, say on three different lists, I can just cross them out during the day, and you can see it still. You can see it after you cross it out, after you check it off as, as completed, you can still see it there. So it kind of helps me because it I check it off and then I feel really good about myself. But then I also can look back and see all the things that I've actually done for the day. So I feel like I've accomplished something. So it helps keep me on track So I think that's probably my favorite one right now, Wonderless.
0: Okay. Oh, wonderless. No, I had not heard of that one. I'll make sure to check it out. And, of course, I'll link to it in the show notes. So, Courtney, one of, one of the questions that I've been asking uh, just about everyone is what's the one question that you want people to ask that they just don't get around to asking you?
1: To asking me?
0: Yeah. What's the, what's the one interview question that you've never been asked that you want to be asked?
1: Oh, boy. That's a great question. I don't Huh. I don't know. You know, I don't like to I don't like to know the questions ahead of time sometimes because I think that that can you can be too like prepared and too right. Um, So I don't know. I I just always kind of wing it. And I've I've gotten some really great questions. You've asked me a ton of great questions. So I don't know what question would I love? Okay, I know one. So I'm a certified scuba diver. Um, I scuba dive. I just went scuba diving two days ago. I went cave diving. Um, So I guess I would like people to ask me (laughs) why I scuba dive or what's so cool about it. I guess that would be a cool question.
0: Okay, now I haven't. I have not been certified as a scuba diver. Um, <laughs> I have been snorkeling, mm, which love was, it. which was a little scary because I can't really swim. Okay, but I don't have a fear of the water. It's just that I just I sink. Okay, and I know it's just because I haven't been taught how to swim. So uh, no big deal there. Tell how did you get into scuba diving?
1: Uh, it's really funny. So um, my boyfriend and his and his colleagues decided that they wanted to, to become scuba divers. And so, um, I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Um, and so we all got scuba dive, um, certified together and we've been scuba diving now for, for a while. We've been to, we've been to Mexico, um, been to Aruba scuba diving. Um, and we've been to caves and it's, it's just a lot of fun. And you just, I've always wanted to be the little mermaid, but it it gives it, (laughs) it gives it a whole new meaning now that I actually, um, am going like a hundred feet under sea and seeing shipwrecks and, and caves and it's crazy, but it's just really amazing. I love it.
0: Oh my God. Cave diving is actually pretty big here in Missouri. Really? Oh yeah, we've got some really intricate cave systems and people go cave diving here all the time. They come from all around the world to go cave diving. It's not something I've done here yet, but I'm I wanna do it.
1: I didn't know that. That's a good I'll have to add it to my list of, of places now.
0: Yeah, I'll have to send you some information on, on some cave diving adventures that you can go on here.
1: Ah, huh, that'd be really cool. I like that.
0: That is interesting and I think that's a good place to wrap this, this particular um, podcast because that was uh that's awesome so cave, cave diving scuba diving that is not something that I would have thought you did
1: <laughs> I do it all I do it all I just I just love to live life so I'm always up for the for the adventure
0: <laughs> you know I, I actually now that I think about it I did see something on your Facebook page uh, about scuba diving but I'm like oh she just must have been on a vacation and wetsuit and maybe a pool or something, but you're like serious. The Navy's calling you and right. That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) So on top of entrepreneur 2.0 and doing stuff like that, you are also a Navy seal
1: (laughs) in the making, (laughs) (laughs) in
0: the making. All right. Well, cool. And Oh, by the way, um, I am going to try to get you uh, one of the places here, we have a uh, a place here in St. Louis that was featured on the Food Network for cupcakes. <gasps> and I heard that you love red velvet cupcakes.
1: I'm obsessed slightly with red velvet cupcakes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm trying to find out whether or not I can get a cupcake sent from uh, Jilly's if they do red velvet, because they do seasonal cupcakes. It should be the season for red velvet, although I think it's always the season for red velvet. <laughs> gonna, i'm gonna try to get you a red velvet cupcake
1: i'm obsessed with red velvet you might have to send more than one i know that sounds really greedy but <laughs> i would love that okay
0: cool well, courtney thanks a lot i really do appreciate you coming on the social strategy podcast thanks.
1: thanks so much for having me vernon it's been a lot of fun all
0: right thanks a lot how amazing was that that was courtney mckenzie guys she is awesome, and I'm working on those red velvet cupcakes as we speak. I did check with um, the company that I mentioned, Jillies, here in St. Louis, and at the time they didn't have any red velvet cupcakes. So I'm looking for red velvet cupcakes to send to Courtney. So if you guys have any tips, let me know about the rest, best red velvet cupcakes you guys can find. I think there are Jillies here in St. Louis. Let me know in the comments if you guys have a, another red velvet cupcake secret stash preferably if there's one in miami and i can just have some sent over to her hey thanks a lot guys for tuning in and look forward to some more episodes i've got some really awesome interviews coming up got a chance to interview and talk to gene Chatsky, pat flynn jamie tardy Derek halperin all kinds of great stuff's going on on social strategy podcast Just look forward to the next few episodes. It's going to be pretty exciting. Sorry this one is a little bit delayed. Uh, We had the FinCon Financial Bloggers Conference here in St. Louis. So for the past week and a half, I've been doing stuff covering that, going to events, hosting events. So it's just been a little bit too busy to go ahead and get this episode uploaded. So sorry about the delays. You should see an episode from me every week from here on out. Thanks a lot, guys, and I will talk to you in the next episode you we'll